What is up, everyone? Dalton here. Before we hop into this episode, I just have a couple quick announcements. First off, thank you for tuning in. The support on the podcast so far has been amazing. We're super excited about the community that we're building here with Move Local. So we cannot wait to continue to grow and meet more amazing people. If you guys aren't following us on Instagram, head over there and follow us, move.local, as well as sign up for our newsletter if you want to make sure that you don't miss out on any new releases of episodes, of merchandise, of exciting news that we have coming up for the Move Local community. Head over there, sign up so you do not miss out. You can find that in the bio on Instagram or in the show notes below of this episode. And then lastly, guys, if you've liked or took value from any one of our episodes so far, please head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you consume your podcast. Subscribe to Move Local and drop us a review and a rating. It really helps our podcast grow. It helps us get good feedback from you guys, what you want to hear more of, what you want us to improve on, so that we can continue to provide you with the best content possible and grow this amazing community. That is all I have for today. Enjoy this episode of Move Local. Welcome to the Move Local podcast. Our mission is to connect the movers and shakers of the Dundas and Hamilton area who pride themselves on growing a healthier and more connected community. We will do this through having conversations around health, education, entrepreneurship, and much more. We want to be part of helping you move confident, move free, and move local. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Move Local podcast brought to you by The Movement. My name is Dalton, and alongside me today is my co-host, Donald Lazar. Don, how are we doing today? Beautiful. The colors are popping in the valley. It's perfect fall days for probably the past, I mean, like two weeks. It's yeah. been great times to get outside with the family and solo and all things outdoors. It's been good. Yeah, I'm with you. This is like the first fall where I've really been out in the trails consistently mm. running, and I'm like, oh, man, these colors... Uh-huh. Are on point. Yeah, he's a convert. He's <laughs> yeah. a convert. Yeah, if you flip back to the first couple episodes of this podcast, you'll hear me complaining about Don dragging me out in the trails, and now I seem to be out there quite often. So mm-hmm. how things change, right? Yeah, fall's my favorite season <laughs> by far. It's like I'm, I'm inverse of most people. I'm like fall, winter, spring, summer. Right. Order of preference. I see my yeah. mind shifting as well. Um, but I'm excited about our guest today. We uh, It's always a good time when we have some um, alcoholic beverages on the podcast, so... I'm excited to uh, to dive into this one. We have Mark from Barrel Heart Brewing and Blending. Um, he's going to come on and talk about his business and what they do. And I'm super excited to learn uh, uh, more about this. So, Mark, how are we doing today? Hey, good. Thanks for having me. How, uh, how's your day been so far? Anything exciting happening? Uh, yeah, I went to the brewery this morning and carbonated up some more uh, cherry beer from this year's vintage. And then dropped around to see some of the accounts, see how the beer's moving, um, just check in with them and... Then rode my bike down here with a backpack full of beer in true Dundas style on a Friday afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a good Friday. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so the brewery you're at right now, it's over in Cambridge, right? Yeah. So we kind of, we set up in Cambridge over COVID. We're going to build a brewery, but you know, once COVID hit, we're like, now's not the time to do some big construction projects. So we rented a little bit of space in someone else's brewery and we've been brewing out of there uh, for the last, what, since December, 2020. And now we're just starting to plan our move down to Ancaster to industrial unit uh, come this December while we build our bricks and mortar out in East Hamilton. Nice. Amazing. Lots of, lots of wheels in motion here. Lots going on. Yeah, it's not nice to move house too many times, but, you know, uh, being closer down here will also give us, you know, direct access to have a little tap room and be closer to home. I hate commuting. 
So um, yeah, that'll be nice. And I was hoping to have the brewery built by now, but once again, construction over the last few years has had some twists and turns. So it's taken a little longer than we planned, but you know, permits are going ahead, drawings going ahead. Things are moving in that slow way they do, right? Yeah, that's awesome. And before we jumped on the podcast, I, I'm not a, out of all three of us, Don, Will, and myself, I would say I'm the least knowledgeable in the beer game. And so I had to ask Don how to pronounce Saison <laughs> before you sure. came here. Sure. So I'm excited to learn about this because it's something I don't know much about. So I, I think like starting with, you know, what you guys do, how it's maybe different than your typical beer or brewery. Sure. Um, I would love to hear a little bit more about sure. that. I mean, that's one of the cool things about beer is you don't need to know a lot about it to get in there. You can just, you know, I would just uh, order whatever I hadn't seen or know about and grab it. I feel like there's a barrier to entry with wine. Like you need to know about it and have the right pairings. Beer is super uh, forgiving. If you grab the wrong beer with the wrong meal, that's fine. And really getting into beer is just grabbing a bottle looks good, pour it under a glass and putting it into your face. Yeah, it's that simple. <laughs> it's right? very simple. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Should, yeah. We, should we crack a beer? Let's crack it. Yeah, and while while we crack it, like I, I mean, I would love to. Do, I think the name explains a lot. Like Barrel Heart Brewing, yeah. um, from what I was reading, you know, your this the it's aged in in barrels. Correct? Yeah. So maybe dive into that process. Like, is that different than what a typical beer looks like, or yeah, yeah. how it's brewed? Yeah. So so all of our beers right now, um, they get aged in wine barrels, uh, local wine barrels from Niagara. Um, which means that most of these beers take about a year and a half from brew day to glass. So normally, uh, most beers take about three weeks. Um, you know, you brew it, you ferment it, or it turns the sugars into alcohol, you carbonate it up, and you put it into a bottle or a keg and serve it. Uh, these beers have this really, instead of having a single yeast culture, that's just, you know, uh, it's a monolithic uh, monoculture, uh, we have last count it's about 15 yeasts and bacteria working in the, in our beers plus whatever comes in with the fruit and on the barrels as well so it's a very complex culture so it takes a little bit of time for that culture to to reach its stable ecology and a stable flavor profile uh, and then it's ready to drink so it's a bit more of a journey to get through here but it's complex beers i just couldn't get any other way interesting when well, this one that you just poured don what what do we got here yeah, so this is this is cherries aged like grace. So we've got an aged saison cherries, but I think Mark's the man to yeah. explain this one. Yeah, yeah. So um, so cherries aged like grace. Yeah, it's a it's an aged saison, which is just always saying barrel aged saison, and it's aged on Montmorency sour cherries from Niagara region. Um, so Montmorency sour cherries, it's kind of like it's a pie cherry, um, not really much of an eating cherry, uh, but it's got these really beautiful like tart notes and the pit has this kind of like a cinnamon kind of note to it uh then you we age it in these wine barrels and the wine barrels give us this like nice little bit of vanilla from the oak and we use some buckwheat which had this kind of like kind of the best way to describe it buckwheat like a goatee kind of flavor so it's got this rustic soft vanilla um cherry to it and then our yeast is called a diastatic yeast which means it eats all the sugar leaves zero sugar behind it converts mm. all of the sugar into, into alcohol so there's no sweetness here but you smell cherries and you think it's sweet yeah it's so, definitely not sweet yeah, yeah. but your, your brain as soon as it smells fruit it thinks sweet but you're actually having something bone dry so i find that i don't know i just i like drink these further i wake up the next day in a better state um it's just kind of really bone dry beers i want to drink and make yeah yeah, I mean, this is, it's beautiful. I, you know, it's, it's interesting the, uh, that you commented on the pit. 
I would, I, on the nose, you can definitely get that sort of, um, you, you know, that those warm, spicy sort yeah. of notes, right? Kind of like, yeah, baking spice kind of note. Yeah, it's yeah. nice. Eh? Yeah. What got you into beer? Has that always been on your radar, or no, not at all. Actually, um, the only time I brewed beer, uh, unprof- non-professionally, was like one of those U-brew kits back in university. You know, you pour in the the, the syrup and you mix it with water, and it was pretty terrible. Um, yeah, I really hadn't thought about beer more than any other guy had. And then I was a photographer uh, beforehand, but you know the newspaper industry was going down. Um, finding you know good paid work was going harder, so I wanted to do something that was technical and creative. In that same mindset, uh, the brewing program came up at Niagara, and my wife was like, "Hey, why don't you try that?" Right? It was either that or something in travel or food. But man, chefs work really hard to do what they do. Um, I didn't know at the time that brewers had it just as hard, but uh, you know, I thought it was standing around drinking beer a lot, which it's not. It's a, it's a tiny amount. This is probably like two percent of what we do in our day. Um, but yeah, it just you know, it grabbed me in that same technical, creative way, right? It's just technical. You need to know the the uh, biology of the yeast, the manufacturing and like kind of engineering skills of running a, a pumps and tank geometries. And it combines a lot of different hats, which I really love. And all my feet use my hands, which mm. I have to do. And then you get to make people happy, right? You do this product that puts a smile on someone's face, um, something you can be proud of. It just, it ticks so many boxes that it just, um, what's that? There's this like Japanese Venn diagram of what you're good at, what the world needs, what you can be, what people want to pay you for and what you like doing. If those four things hit, that's a purpose in life. Go, <laughs> go do that. Yeah. And so yeah, photography and this both did most of that. But photography didn't pay anymore. So uh, I need to find that last little Venn diagram to fill right. in the blank. Complete yeah. it all. Exactly, yeah. I have uh, I want, like, you know, looking at your website, uh, sorry, your Instagram and kind of reading some of your posts and then even just looking at the, the branding and, and some of the stuff on the bottle here, it seems like it's very intentional with the, the way that you're doing things, yeah. the 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 ingredients that you're using. Like even reading this bottle label here, it says cherries aged like grace. Like even that itself I'm interested in why you chose that. Like, what does that even mean? Sure, yeah. Yeah, so these are very slow beers. So, you know, as I was saying before, most beers are three weeks from brew day to glass. You're kind of working hard to get them out there, you know, in a fresh state into someone's glass and sell through them quickly. Here we have, I brew the beer, I put it into a barrel for at least a year. And I've got a year to think about these things. Yeah. And so, you know, about six months into that year, I'm talking to the farmers. How's the harvest coming in? What should we expect this year? I'm tasting ingredients. I'm tasting the barrels, seeing where they're going. And this very slow idea is forming over a long time about what it's going to taste like. And so obviously I have time to, you know, sit and ponder and, and write poetry about our labels and yeah. all those kind of things. So yeah, very there's a lot of thought uh, goes into these beers, uh, a lot of labor. Um, I probably revisit the same concept for a beer, maybe a dozen times before it becomes something physical. What does that process look like for um, you? A lot of Excel spreadsheets and note-taking. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like I'm tasting a lot of barrels, which I certainly do, but then everything gets described on the date, where it came from, what the ingredients are, where it is, where it's going. Um, it's, it's a lot of note-taking, yeah. Um, so that way I can, go, I can go back and I can almost blend by notes after a certain amount of time. Now, before, I mean, there's definitely like some serious skill to like that palate. Have you always had, had a palate? Have you always been into, into food and the food? Uh, no, actually, not, not really, no. I think like everyone, I was kind of palate blind. You know, we just, I like this, I don't like this, it's sweet or it's sour. I think we just don't think about 
tastes in that really granular way. Yeah, for um, sure. So it was a, there was a master, master Cicerone. So they're kind of like sommeliers, but for beer, Cicerones. Uh, so Marilla Armato, she was one of my professors at, at the Bruin College, and she kind of opened my palate up like that. And I started to look at, you know, uh, it tastes like a raspberry, but is it a bright tasting raspberry or is it like kind of citrusy and really breaking down everything I tasted? And then Dundas is a home to a bunch of really talented, smart people who are passionate about what they do. Mm-hmm. So uh, butchers and cheesemakers and coffee roasters and whiskey aficionados and all the kind of people who would gather together once a week and just bring things we liked and describe them using our vocabulary mm-hmm. and exchanging ideas because these are all fermented products. You know, salamis, coffee, cheese, beer, uh, whiskey, all with fermentation. So there's a similar vocabulary we could all use together. Mm. And I think that was really probably where I developed my own way to describe the world, really, yeah, in terms of like in smell and taste. Is is that does is that group still around? Do you is it do you guys still all connect uh, from, from time to time? Sounds like how can I slide sure. in that? Yeah, group? it sounds like a lot <laughs> yeah. But I mean, this was this was twelve years ago. I started brewing and, and doing this, so we've all kind of spread to the winds a bit. Uh, I talk to them still every week or so, you know, in some way or another. Um, but yeah, good crew, and it's not far, it's not hard to find people in Dundas. It's a bit of a foodie town here. Yeah. Um, and I guess the the food world in Hamilton even is pretty small. Mm. Um, so yeah. But it's good, and I teach uh, sensory evaluation at Niagara College. So the brewing program I went, I graduated through early COVID. They came, asked me to come back and teach. So I've been teaching while the beer was aging in barrels. So it's been a good way to actually kind of pass on how I got my palate trained up to new brewers now. Hmm. That's cool. So like, this obviously takes time to develop. Are you thinking about what? is coming next like a different run like how how where does that come from how are you choosing like okay i'm gonna do the cherries age like grace uh like what what makes you decide on those different kinds of flavors? yeah so very much inspired by you know culinary disciplines when i think of cherries obviously cherry pie first place to go to what is cherry pie in it it's cherries cinnamon usually some vanillary kind of flavors in there as well um, which we get from the oak so what can i do with just the beer ingredients and the fruit and barrels without actually throwing in, you know, a cherry pie or throwing in cinnamon. Um, just really try and, once again, use that technical knowledge to be creative and take, you know, six ingredients and turn them into something that, that tastes different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a lot of, um, I've usually got about half a dozen or a dozen um, kind of concepts at play at one point in time. Um, I've got the fruit from the season that's come in and I've also got just some straight regular beers that aren't fruited as well that I'm kind of thinking about how those barrels are developing. If I find one barrel that's just shining and it's just beautiful, I'm thinking about what I can do to support this barrel and build in more layers and complexity and give it balance. When you say support that barrel, what, yeah. like, what does yeah. that look like? Yeah, so, so say if there's a barrel and it's, um, I just did this uh, blend of uh, gozers and I had this one barrel and I number my barrels, but when a barrel gets really good, I name it. Yeah, so I wanted I na- to ask you about that. Yeah. yeah. So I named this my first barrel Elias after my son, and it had this cool note, and it just it struck me. Uh, down at Piconi's, they have these salt preserved lemons that I had once, especially for like five years ago, and that flavor kind of linked. I was like salt preserved lemon. That's my profile. So then I started finding other barrels to make a light the Elias barrel more of a salt preserved lemon. So I found some uh, I got some sea salt and some coriander as well, which is coriander seed. is very regularly used in like wit beers. It has like a kind of a lemony note to it and a little bit herbaceous. And then I grabbed other barrels to heighten the acidity a bit. 
and the whole blend became this kind of a goza, which is a German uh, style of sour beer with sea salt and coriander seed. And uh, yeah, but to me, this beer just is like a salt preserved lemon that I had at uh, Piconi's. Hmm. Yeah, that's cool. How has it been? Well, how has it been transitioning to the new the new location and? Uh, you know, why was that something you wanted to do? And what what is that going to look like when you guys are finally yeah. ready to rock and roll? Yeah, so um, originally we thought we'd be up in Cambridge for a year or so and then have our place in East Hamilton. Um, but, you know, delays in getting permits you know, always uh, kind of prompted us to commute less and to have more control. Because obviously you're in someone else's place, you're in their kitchen, you don't have complete, you know, 24-7 access or time to do what you want. So having that... And this will also allow us to have our own retail license so we can give the hospitality aspect to yeah, it. Yeah, that's cool. Because I think half of, you know, a good meal or a good drink is the room you're sitting in and who you're sitting there with. Totally. Making people feel welcome and relaxed. Um, obviously, hospitality is something we do in our family. You know, a lot of chefs in my family. Um, we've run some restaurants. So that's, you know, we've got the skill set to do that as well. So why not heighten the, you know, uh, the experience of drinking this beer with that nice service and the nice atmosphere? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, to seeing what you do up there. I know, like I, you know, I know some of the places that you've you've been involved in in the past, and um, you know, I'm really looking forward to you know elevating what what Ancaster has to offer up there for the short time that you'll be there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll see how short it is. It could be one to two years, but uh, yeah, but hopefully, you know, one to two years up there would be it'd be nice. I, I'd like to get into Dundas if I could. Just real estate down here just wasn't on the cards. But we found this really nice piece of property. Up on Neva Road, um, it's actually on Ditton Drive. That's not too far from me. Uh, nice, uh, but yeah, there's there's so many like new houses up there. So a lot of young families moving up there, and there's just really not the neighborhood gem uh, for them. So we thought, here's a perfect place to do this. It's halfway between my house and the Niagara Wine Region. So my commute is basically halfway to where I'm going to go down the wine region. Mm-hmm. So it all looked really nicely, and then we're going to build new as well. Uh, so that way we can design it for our needs. Because um, efficiency is a huge part of this, right? Um, the one thing I wanted to ask you about is like the branding and the name. And you know, you, we were drinking out of these new glasses that you you had made, and I love the logo with like the barrel and the heart. And I'm just curious, yeah. like what, where did that come from? Why, why did you go in that direction? Yeah, is there a story behind that? Oh, I, I don't, I don't know why I started loving barrels, but I guess the romance of beer aged in barrels had some sheen to it so i started exploring these beers um when i was first started brewing at nickelbrook i drove to kentucky uh, picked up 20 bourbon barrels uh, mostly from buffalo trace and four roses and brought them back across the border um and just started putting imperial stouts in them just i wanted to see what happened when you age beer in barrels a few places had done it but not much in canada so then uh, i just started putting more beer in more barrels the beer did well so the next year i I think I bought 60 barrels the next year and then 240 barrels the next year. And uh, yeah, I just kept buying barrels, making more barrel each beer. And the more I did it, the more I found there's this big playground of flavors and techniques I could go and explore, keeping things new. Obviously, if you're brewing the same beer day in and day out, you can get to a rut, right? right? These beers, these barrels always surprise you. Whatever you put in the same beer in 10 barrels will give you 10 different beers. So I like that chaos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> keeps you on to, your toes yeah to, to be to be clear that uh that stuff that work that he did at nickelbrook that was like pretty game changing for like at least the ontario beer industry back in 2012 um, yeah it was, yeah uh, yeah huge i actually just cracked uh, one of their 2016 oh, nice. um, 
just just a month ago or so it was yeah. a special special thing i'd been holding on to but nice. um you know so you were there and then where where else had you have you been from yeah. a so, so yeah, so I, I started up uh, Nickelbrook's Barrel Age program. And then 2016, I got headhunted by Bench Brewing. Uh, and their plan was to build a brewery down in Niagara region. Uh, half it would be clean beers and half would be like bunkhouse mixed ferment beers. Like, yes, absolutely. So we designed this beautiful facility, um, put out some really nice beers. And uh, yeah, really proud of the work we did down there. And being in the wine region, it meant that every Friday afternoon, my, the tap room was filled with winemakers. So I'm having beers with winemakers and kind of chewing their brain about how they're handling fruit because no one knows how to ferment fruit better than a winemaker. So a lot of the practices I put into this is from like all the wineries that you can basically see from the tap room there. Tours, Redstone, Malavoie, Angel's Gate, uh, Rosewood. Some phenomenal wineries down there. Um, I probably didn't even hear them all. Megalomaniac as well. Uh, Pilmar set did some great stuff too in the mixed ferment wines. Uh, yeah, so that kind of, you know, that, that really uh, changed the way I approached these kinds of beers. And then 2020, the plan was to start our own brewery, but obviously COVID hits and uh, it just kind of put it on the, on the slow trails. So, like, you know, now's a good time to put a lot of beer in barrels. So we bought 100 barrels from our local winemakers, put some beer in there, and then just patiently waited. Yeah. I mean, th- these, are, these are beautiful. I mean, this, this, uh, this, this cherry, cherry saison is spectacular. It's, um, you know, way more, far more nuanced, I think, than like the stouts. The stouts are, are, are pretty cool, but. Yeah. Um, but they're big heavy hitters, right? It's like yeah. chocolate, coconut, vanilla, the yeah. kind of flavors. Here, it's very, if you're into like natural wines, um, or just any kind of wine, really, it's got acidity as an element. There's a tannic structure to it because it's got fruit in it and it's aged in barrels. And it's got these really nice aromatics to it. It's got the cellar character. Just uh, the beers that you know you can absolutely crush because they're so dry, they go down really easily. But if you want to sit there and just nose it and let it warm up, like a nice you know wine, it'll do that too for you. Yeah. And they can, I always release them ready to drink, but you can sell these beers for years as well. Mm. They continue to develop in the bottle. That's cool. Yeah, I'm not like, I'm definitely not a wine guy much. And this is like nice, like it seems like a nice middle ground yeah. or maybe an entry point into some more wine, you know, like dabbling <laughs> in it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely, it's a, something a hybrid between yeah. beer and wine in some way, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool to hear the, um, you know, the influence that like spending time in, in that sort of, you know the bench area yeah um like that that beamsville zone has had on your your sort of development as a brewer absolutely just having access to those kinds of these like you know well-tenured winemakers doing like top shelf wine and just having access to them on a weekly basis you know uh, was amazing uh, definitely a huge part of my formative you know point of getting here what are you uh what are you most excited about when it comes to like launching your own thing exactly that launching yeah. my own thing right just the, having that full control over yes, it all you know, yeah uh, yeah like, i think like a lot of you know uh like technicians i guess uh that control that controlling interest uh grabs hold of you you want to do things uh, not you know is it good enough but how good can this thing be and that's usually where you and your accountant have and having an argument about like well it's a, it's a little bit better but it's a lot more expensive and you're like yeah but it's a little bit better so that's what we're chasing so here it's my wife and myself so you know i have to answer to her but uh she's a she's a pretty easy easy crowd so uh yeah we just we, i get to keep thinking about how it can be better and we're making a small amount of this beer um, to hit a pretty niche market who appreciates that mm-hmm. where where are you where is it available like right now is it available for yeah. people right now yeah we've been on the market about uh, 
seven weeks now. Um, just in bottle shops right now. Our license doesn't let us have a tap room yet. Uh, so we're in like the, the really good bottle shops in Toronto, Niagara, and Hamilton. Um, so around here, you can find us at uh, Durand Coffee. We just had a oh, pop cool. event there. Um, oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah, two nights ago, um, which was phenomenal. Just great to like put a beer in someone's hands and let them enjoy it and tell the story of these beers. See the smile on their face. Um, and then James Street, you've got Synonym, uh, Sunny Corners there as well. The Brain stocks it. Uh, Brock's House, I think they still have some. They're closing down. Yeah, I heard about that. So yeah. And running out all the uh, the stock there. But, uh, you know, um, it's not going to be in, you know, in every corner store. It's definitely going to have to find its market. Yeah, yeah no, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, you got anything else before we dive into uh, some, some rapid fire questions? Uh, no, I was just going to ask if you, like, as far as like, um, other, other towns that you, you know, obviously it's a very like, um, uh, small batch scenario, right? So yeah. you don't necessarily need to, you know, go far and wide, but are there other, any other towns that you've sort of mm. thought of sort of tapping as far as, um, like bottle shops and such? Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, um, Toronto's got a really big audience, obviously. So we're in Toronto, um, you know, at the usual suspects that have really, uh, you know, well-curated bottle, uh, bottle shops. Um, Barbia down in Niagara, if you are down that way, that's a great place as well. And Trust Bar as well down there. But, you know, uh, I've got 100 wine barrels filled, which is 200 hectoliters or 20,000 liters, which sounds like a lot. But that's what I brewed on a Monday and Tuesday in my last job. Yeah, adventure. Right? Oh, yeah. right. And that's my yeah. yearly production now. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. So it sounds like a lot of beer, um, you know, 20,000 bottles, but really it doesn't go that far. Mm. And sometimes barrels don't always go in the right direction, right? When a barrel's not going the way you want to, we put it down the drain, you know, with, without without a tear anymore. It's just it's, it's a it's a factor of life. You just factor in that percentage that you're right. gonna you're gonna have to lose um, to the vagaries of why one barrel does one thing and another does, does something different. To the chaos. Yeah, it's just you know every tree is different, and so every stave in the barrel is different. Um, where you put it in the brewery can vary. The microbes living in there. There's too many variables to really track well. So you just got to kind of throw it to the wind and, and see what comes back. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's crazy. Like there's so many factors that go into like such a great taste at the end of the day. It's crazy. Like you never, I never think about that. So I, it's, I appreciate the, uh, the nuance and the detail around it to make such a beautiful sure. product. Right. Which is kind of why no one does these things. It's, yeah. It's too much chaos. Unpredictable, expensive, time consuming. Um, but you know, once again, my question is only, you know, how good can this thing become? Right. Um, and just chasing that kind of, that, that pinnacle yeah it makes a lot of sense you know just just hearing you talk and like you know about, about that that drive to make it the best thing possible and you know appreciation for like the the subtleties that come along with like you know the wine industry and, and now this sort of barrel aged um you know saison beer yeah um realm as well but um you know it, may, it makes sense why you have you didn't really delve into like something like an ipa where you can kind of just cover it up by dumping some more hops in, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I love making IPAs and, and lagers. They're delicious beers. I drink them regularly. Uh, you know, a lot of my friends at breweries make delicious, delicious beers. They take three weeks to turn around. Um, but I just, you know, in that those Venn diagrams, you know, the world didn't need a 10th and 20th IPA and lager. Mm. But, you know, the first of these kind of ones, yeah, or second, I guess now, because <laughs> I did it in my last brewery. <laughs> so the second, you know, of those kind of beers, or maybe the third, there's a few breweries in Toronto, something similar. But that seems like you know something I'm good at. I really wanted to do and didn't exist enough. It's not it's not filling that market. 
um, it's not as big of market, obviously, as IPAs, which, you know, are the, the kind of king category. Yet. I was, yeah, was going to say, I want to go off that. Do you see that expanding? Like, is this becoming something that people are a little bit more aware of or becoming more interested in or wanting more of? Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of like, um, you know, champagne um, in the, you know, even though you could make 10 times more, is there a market for 10 times more? Um, you know, they're expensive beers to make, you know, um, and you know, I can't afford to drink champagne every night of the week um, in the same way that, you know, I, I don't, uh, I, I couldn't afford to drink uh, these beers every night of the week. They're definitely, you know, really beautiful beers that, that deserve to have their own kind of time to drink them, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sort of, you know, I, I look at, you know, these barrel-aged bottles, whether whether I'm looking at like, you know, um, these saisons or, or you know, barrel-aged stouts, any of these, these bottles that you're spending, you know, quite a bit more money on. Um, I, I look at them like a nice wine, yeah. right? You know, nobody has blinks at like, you know, opening a $30 bottle of wine, but when they see a $30 bottle of beer, they're like, oh, wait a second, what? Yeah. So <laughs> you the, know, but you drink it the same way, the, right? The, like these are wine glasses, beautiful yeah. stemmed wine glasses we're drinking out of right now. There's certainly a bit of education there. Obviously, you know, people have one idea that beer is this, you know, cheap, um, right. you know, product you can drink as much as you like of it. Um, and you know, and finding the high end of that, you know, I guess Belgium has kind of done that for the last, you know, for most of our lifetimes, um, in something similar. And while we're influenced by Belgium, you know, we're not trying to be Belgian beers. We're trying to be Niagara beers. Um, we can do. We have beautiful fruit and beautiful barrels, and the microflora down here to do that. Um, but and mind you, this is how we're opening our brand as well. Starting these beers. The reason why everything I do right now uh, has fruit in it is because our first barrels came to maturity during the fruit season. Uh, we do. I'm gonna make some more regular kind of beers. Um, still aged in barrels, but not quite as laboriously and expensive to make as these ones are. Mm. Mm. So we'll start to see those probably uh, later this year. Some gozes, some straight saisons, uh, some beer de coupage, which is a blend of young, fresh, hoppy beer and aged barrel aged beer. Interesting. So we can kind of get the price point down a little bit, make them a bit more every occasion kind of beers. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I like it. It's cool. I'm not a big like. I'm not a big drinker myself, but if I'm like learning more about just this on this podcast and just even tasting this. It's like if I'm gonna drink, I wanna more experience and taste something yeah. that's good and maybe explore some different things. So I, I like that this is definitely an option. Like it's a cool little and niche. It's, it's certainly a market trend. People are drinking less these days. Yeah. They're choosing to drink better quality. And I think not having that, you know, massive sugar content um, with you so the next day is a bit easier. Yeah. Body's not trying to process sugar <laughs> while it's got alcohol in the system. Definitely wake up a little bit, a little sprightlier, you know, drinking these beers <laughs> than I would like, you know, a big imperial stout or something really saccharine sweet. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Dalton's always thinking about his, uh, his next training day, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a brewer, right? Brewers get up at six in the morning as well. So I, yeah. I got things to do too. So, yeah. I got, yeah. You got to have something you can wake up and feel good, right? <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. Um, let's transition into uh, some rapid fire questions. We'll have some fun with this. Yeah, go ahead. Um, why don't we do favorite local brewery outside of obviously your own? Sure, uh, there's a lot of them, um, but I said my local is Fairweather around the corner here. Mm. Um, they combine both amazing beer, uh, awesome people who are kind and generous, and they got a great atmosphere as well. It's this clean and uh, fresh kind of tap room. Yeah, it just it ticks those three boxes that I want anywhere I go drinking. Their patio is spectacular as well. Yeah, when it's summertime, it's they've done a great job with that. Yeah, they are. Yeah, there yeah. they do. Yeah, but I mean, everyone in Hamilton does great beer. Um, but I'd say yeah, that's one I, 
I can bike, I can cycle to it as well. So it's uh, convenient too. So mm-hmm. probably the fourth check there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you got one? Go ahead. Yeah. What about, uh, what about restaurant? Favorite, uh, favorite local cuisine? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Berkeley North on, uh, nice. on King William has been, uh, my wife and my date spot since the start. Love Once again, amaz- I've, never, I've never been there. Oh yeah. Uh, amazing food. They started out more vegetarian, uh, but, and then they started meat options as well. I'm always vegetarian, so that's you know we can both have a really good meal there as well. Yeah. Uh, and the owners are super hospitable, just generous, kind people. It's got a cool atmosphere, great cocktail um, scene, and it's you know downtown Hamilton, so like ten minutes, yeah. ten minutes Uber ride, um, so convenient as well. Yeah. Yeah, Matt and Diane are, are great people for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 yeah it's a good. Good choice. Um, is there anyone that you recommend that we talk to on podcast that would be a good guest? You think? Oh wow, uh, that's a big question. Um, so many amazing people. Uh, I think you already interviewed Jamie Waldron. Yeah. At Jamie Waldron Meats. He was actually the butcher uh, that I talk to regularly about like you know, salami and stuff like that when we went to Cumbrace here in Dundas. Uh, yeah, top tier dude yeah, as well. Yeah, top tier, yeah. Um, like that. Yeah, so you might have already been through a list of, of good people that I know. Um, and Dundas has always been a better community for just great people doing things very quietly. Yeah. Which is why it's a cool community as well. Yeah. Um, if you can't think of someone off the top of your head, you can let us know well, after. Actually, you know, um, my brother-in-law, Fraser, he is the chef at Quatrefoil Restaurant mm-hmm. here in Dundas. And yeah, his cooking is second to none. Uh, it actually inspired me to like, if I could make my beer as good as his food, I would die happy. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm on my way there. But yeah, man, he, yeah, he's just a, such a talented chef uh, and works hard. He's been doing it for almost 20 years now. I worked with Gordon Ramsay in England. Oh, cool. And um, yeah, I got some serious chops to him. But uh, yeah, you know, he knows food like I'm trying to know beer. Love hmm. it. Yeah, that'd be, be cool. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah. Food? Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're always... Uh, Dalton said alcohol at the beginning, but really it's any any sampling on Yeah, on we've slowly become a food, <laughs> drink, <laughs> podcast. Sure, yeah. What about, a, go ahead. What about your favorite way to, uh, favorite way to stay active here in, in the Valley? Yeah, um, I mean... Certainly during COVID, um, before COVID, you know, I'd be working, you know, 60 to 90 hours a week in the brewery and, you know, just trying to like tough it out to like, you know, make the most beer. And then I, I came to realize actually that's not a really healthy lifestyle at all. After 40 hours, you really need to have some space of your own. So I started hiking more up in the woods here, got into mushroom foraging as well. You know, just at first, just identifying it and then finally finding some nice oyster mushrooms growing in the wild and, uh, and, and picking those. Um, but you know, we're really lucky out here in, in Dundas, right? Just the outdoors is such a mentally uh, healthy space to be in, mm-hmm. especially the time of the year, right? With the, that foliage out there. So good. Uh, yeah, definitely COVID uh, definitely informed me to like, uh, spend time myself. Uh, a little bit of yoga as well helps to just at least have your cell phone away for one hour of the day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've been taking that up a few times a week. Yeah. Just, yeah, there's definitely a, a few things you can do. Dalton, you think that I live on the edge a little bit? This guy's a f- mushroom forager. <laughs> yeah, you, you, don't, you don't want to take chances with, with wild mushrooms. That uh, some some similar mushrooms can look pretty dangerous. So <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, su- I'm super uh, safe about that. I'll usually identify a mushroom for at least like three months and get a few different opinions that yes, this is something you, that's worth eating. Because if I can go buy it for ten bucks, I'm not going to take a chance on something in the wild. Right. Yeah. But it is cool to find morels and and these mushrooms you can't buy in the supermarket. It's kind of cool doing the. Um, uh, what's what's it called where you put it on the paper, you let it settle. And oh, yeah. What was that called? Um, when you're checking out the 
Oh, the mushroom spore? Like the yeah, spore the, spore, the spore print? Yeah. The spore prints are kind of neat too. You can, you can get really far into like mushrooms and like, you know, cultivating them and stuff like that. And it became like a, a basement kind of growing operation. Just has something like a, like a house plant. You watch it grow, um, yeah. take some joy in that. And then you can cut it up in, you know, some butter and garlic in the fry pan. And nice. it's a nice Yeah, it's one of those worlds that I know it's like people are super deep into the mushroom world. Yeah. Like I, uh, one of my clients one time was telling me how she was going out to some mushroom festival in like uh colorado yep. and it was like one of the world's most popular like yeah i believe it and yeah. i was like well wow i didn't know this was a thing yeah there's a guy called uh paul stamets and he's an amateur mushroom forager but he's basically the world's leading expert on it huh. like amateur in the best sense of it like no training but he's who you go ask mushroom questions and he's got some great documentaries out but he basically opened up like you know mushroom identification and all this stuff huge number of health benefits to it as well yeah uh, mushrooms um yeah it's uh the what it does for your your body and just even then being out in in the wild uh just walking through the forest with a new set of eyes looking for mushrooms just another way to enjoy the outdoors right mm -hmm. looks like another niche i gotta dive into <laughs> um mark the last question we'd like to ask everyone is um you know what does move local mean to you if you had to define it yeah yeah um so a, a long time ago i wasn't really a local guy right you try and get the best things from around the world um, but then I realized we have so much here that kind of gets is below under the radar. There's some amazing world-class wines here that are way underrated. The fruit here is phenomenal. I've never had a better strawberry than I've had in Ontario. Um, so I started moving around the province and looking at, you know, what do we do that's way underrated but is top tier? Uh, and there's so much of it, like food, drink, um, travel. You know, obviously we live in Dundas, so people travel to come see the foliage that we have here, go up to the peaks, stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, 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 I stopped trying to make something that's world-class and just started trying to do things that are world-class here. Mm. Yeah. That's cool. It's a good way to look at it. Yeah, I like sure. that mindset. Um, awesome. Where can people find you on Instagram, your website, if they're interested in getting some of your product, all that good stuff? Yeah, yeah. you can find us at, uh, at Barrel Hard Brewing on Instagram is where we put all our releases, what we're doing, kind of what we're thinking and feeling at the time. Um, you can find us at Good Bottle Shops. If you can't find us at the Good Bottle Shop, ask them to stock us. Um, and we should have our tap room hopefully open in Ancaster at the Tradewind Business Park um, at uh, Unit 20, number 53 Bittern Street in Ancaster later this year or early next year, depending how those applications and licenses go through. Um, and then eventually we'll have our bricks and mortar in East Hamilton off Neva Road on, Bit on Ditton Street um, come probably 2024. We should be there. Have a nice big patio, uh, lots of different beers, some food there. Uh, yeah, it should be fun. Awesome. This will be a good excuse to go for some runs over that <laughs> exactly. way. Exactly. It's, it's, it's right off the uh, rail trail. It's like literally a block back from the rail trail. There we so, go. Uh, yeah. It's perfect. Um, Mark, thanks so much for your time. It was a, it was a pleasure. I'm always interested in talking to people that are very passionate and in pushing boundaries and trying to innovate and trying new things and adding creativity to to different things so it was awesome to just learn a little bit more about your process and the, the story behind the brand and i'm super excited to uh continue to dive into uh to more of your your products as the days go on yeah thanks so much man uh, we've got about a dozen or so beers still in bottle conditioning away so we should have new beers two or three new beers every month uh from here on beautiful um, yeah love it so sound sounds like an expensive endeavor for me over the next, <laughs> next few months awesome. that's the idea mark thanks so much cheers thanks 